And now, proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are still, hopefully, tuned in to Civic Cipher. <laughs> Indeed, you are. Uh, and we have a special guest on the show with us today, Ami Horowitz. Uh, we're having a ball um, talking about some things that really need to be talked about. Um, and obviously, we're going to get back to him in just a second. But I also want you to stick around for the uh, the Way Black History Fact. We're going to spend this part of the show talking about relationships, particularly the relationship between Jewish people and Black people. On this show, we stand on the truth that Jewish people are our brothers and our sisters. Um, and we feel like it's necessary to have a conversation that is um, intent on healing uh, some of the fraying that has taken place over the last couple of years. And, and again, Ami is going to join us for that. Um, and then for our Way Black History Fact, we're talking about the origin story of the NAACP. But first and foremost, it's time to discuss BABA, Becoming a Better Ally, Baba. And today's Baba is sponsored by Major Threads for the finest in men's sportswear. Check MajorThreads.com. Uh, and for today's Baba, we're going to be checking out Yahoo News. Uh, the headline reads, How Reparations Pioneer Evanston, Illinois, is rolling out payments to black citizens. I'll read a bit. The city started dispersing reparations payments to locals in 2022 in the form of vouchers for housing. And since and has since expanded to include cash. As talk of reparations ripples through the federal and local governments nationwide, Evanston, Illinois has become the first city in the United States to put money in the hands of black residents affected by years of discrimination. Quote, I'm excited to see that over 100 municipalities have followed in their inspiration and what's happened in Evanston. We all look forward to seeing more legislation put into law, then into practice, and then dispersed. Uh, Robin Sue Simmons, the founder and executive director of First Repair and chairperson of the city's reparations committee, told Yahoo News. Simmons, a former alderwoman in Evanston, which has a 16% black population and is located about 12 miles north of Chicago, has been a pioneer in bringing reparations to one of the black communities affected by the aftermath of slavery in the United States. Quote, most federal policy is implemented with a spark in a local community, a grassroots leader. Every other area of government we look at hyper-locally. And then it trickles up to our congressional leaders, she said. But Simmons recalled just having her own city in mind when she started out the journey of repairing harm to the dwindling number of Black residents in the community. Obviously, there's a lot more here um, and a valid reason why they, they undertook this endeavor. Um, so again, Yahoo, you can check it out. But we wanted to shout out credit where it's due. That is becoming a better ally in our opinion. Um, now it's time to move on. Uh, Ami, listen, I appreciate your input and everything that you said in the first half of the show. Um, feel free to dance back and forth with your with the work that you do professionally and the uh, topic that we want to address now. But um, we feel like, again, it's necessary to have this conversation. Um, a little bit of background from me. Uh, one of my best friends in high school, he's since passed away. His name was Ari Sorry. Block. Ari. And so Ari, Ami, you know, we have, for those that don't know, we had an issue with an email earlier and I, instead of typing Ami, I typed in Ari, you know, but 
that's a uh, common mistake. Is it? Is it? I, I believe it might be. Um, but anyway, um, I learned at a young age uh, how beautiful Jewish culture is. Um, I learned about the commonalities between Jewish people and black people. Um, and I learned that if I wanted to play basketball, if I wanted to listen to Bone Thugs and Harmony CDs, if I wanted to, you know, go skating, because I was a skater, for those that don't know, um, in high school, um, my Jewish friends were just as likely to engage in my favorite activities as anyone else. And fortunately, my high school was very, very close to a prominent Jewish community. And so there was a decent number of Jewish people there. And this is not the experience for a lot of people uh, because there are not as many Jewish people as there are Christian people it, uh, globally. It's just not a big thing. And yet Jewish people have sort of become like almost like a boogeyman in recent years. And I would like for you to speak to that. First, you know, how does that feel? And as someone who is Jewish and from a Jewish community, how does that feel? Um, and then, you know, talk to us. Do you feel like it's based in reality? Do you feel it's warranted? You know, on and on. And then we'll go from there. I may have a couple of thoughts on the topic. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> I'd imagine so. So to me, the, the apotheosis of Jewish-Black relations did not come when Jews were marching in Selma. It was when I saw the Beastie Boys and Run DMC at the Greek theater <laughs> play together. That was the height. That, that was way. the pinnacle of Black-Jewish relations. <laughs> I'll take it, man. <laughs> so it's so interesting. Um, yeah, anti-Semitism is on the rise. No yeah. question about it. Yeah. Um, un unlike what most people have said, it did not um, begin its rise in with, with Trump coming in, although it continued the rise during Trump's reign. Yeah. Happened maybe five or six years earlier than that. Um, happened to be during Obama, but had nothing to do with Obama. It's happened to be that was who's the president when it, the rise began, statistically speaking. Yeah. Um, so anti-Semitism is interesting. Um, so when I was a kid growing up in Los Angeles in the 80s, there was a lot of anti-Semitism. My, my synagogue or my Jewish school was routinely broken into um was trashed was uh, uh graffitied with 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 swastikas i would say at least once or twice a year it would happen to either my synagogue or my school every year i never made the news uh it just was a, a relatively common occurrence in los angeles and i imagine other cities in the country otherwise a kid you have, your perspective is local it's not global at all now at the time the anti-semitism that was occurring was exclusively from the hard right it was exclusively from skinheads, neo-Nazis. Yeah. The guys that I fought with um, routinely were always skinheads uh, and white supremacists. Yeah. And then what happened was sometimes in the early, late 80s, early 90s, it kind of magically all went away. And you rarely heard of anti-Semitism again. It just didn't really occur. And if something did happen, if a, if a synagogue was defaced, it made news because it was so rare. Mm. And we entered this like Goldilocks period when it went away for maybe two decades, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe 15 years. And now it's come back. And it's come back in a more virulent form because now it's from the, it's still part of the hard right culture, 
right? The extreme right culture sure. that has now also become part of the extreme left culture. You see it from both ends. Ironically, I spent a lot of time with anti-Semites. I speak with a lot of them. Oftentimes I interview them. Mm. And I'm talking from, from KKK, uh, people who are part of the Nation of Islam, both sides. And what's interesting is they both, if you ask them why they like Jews, you often hear the same responses. It's really interesting. I've always thought politics is not a linear line. I've always believed politics is a circle. Mm-hmm. If you go so far to the left, so far to the right, you end up coming back to the same place. I think yeah. history has proven that. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you see a lot of the same responses when it comes to why don't you like Jews? Jews control uh, the media, Jews control economies, Jew control armies, same kind of claptrap you heard throughout the centuries of Jew hatred. It's fascinating. Mm. and But it's more virulent because it's now coming from both ends. And that's not a pincer move you want to be involved in. And I think that my, oftentimes, Jews tend to, to be left of center, right? Jews tend to vote Democrat, mm-hmm. not dissimilar from black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, and I understand why, Right, I, I vote more Republican Democrat. I vote I vote Dem- I, I work for a Democrat, um, but I understand why because Jews look at everything through the prism of social justice because of our history, which I get. Yeah. Right, the 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 amount of oppression that we have felt over the centuries has made us acutely aware of issues around social justice, which, by the way, is another reason why Jews were in the forefront of the issues for for uh, uh, against racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to to help black people lift themselves because we understood their history well. Uh, we lived that history in a lot of cases, not just in this country, but globally. Mm-hmm. And we had done better for ourselves and we wanted to make sure other people didn't have to experience what we experienced as much as we could. And that's why, and and, and so Democrat, and again, if I'm, if I'm going on too long, cut me nope, off. Nope, nope, nope. It's, it's your floor. We're so. Learning. Democrats or Jews were always Republican voters because they thought the Republican Party after Lincoln was the party of social justice for obvious reasons. And then with Franklin Roosevelt, it switched like a light, like, like a light switch. They mm-hmm. all moved for Republican Democrat and have never looked back since then. You know, I would say roughly a little bit lower than the black community, probably around 80 uh, percent of Jews vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. And that's why. So it is interesting to see anti-Semitism rear its ugly head from both sides left and right you mentioned earlier that left of center center and right of center have far more in common than their differences Uh, ramses and i believe that that is true across political lines across ethnicities that in general people have far more in common than the things that we highlight to divide ourselves or that the things that have been highlighted for us to keep us divided is really how we view it Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, thank you for pointing that out because we believe that's something that we believe is true across politics, um, across ideologies and across ethnicities. Um, and you also point out the extremes in that circle. And that was a, I think that was a great mental picture for our audience as well. You know, sure. as you keep going so far extreme, those extremes end up with just as much in common as the rest of us. So in either direction, too far, um, you're kind of going the wrong way at a certain point. With regards to the most recent rise in, in anti-Semitism and that rhetoric by some popular or, you know, need I say celebrity African-Americans, 
Um, what do you think has led to that type of ideology and, and it being expressed out loud in the media over the past year? You know, you know, Mr. West and his DEFCON 3 and the promoting of some anti-Semitic views and some films on Amazon by, you know, a professional basketball player. Um, what type of things do you think stoked that or led to the the popularity of a, a seemingly anti-Semitic view from uh, a generation of, of black people that we hadn't seen before? Yeah. And it's, and unfortunately it's, it goes far wider than that. Um, I bet yeah, it does. There, yeah. yeah. And there, there's, there's a lot, I mean, there's, there's a lot of names that people often probably don't even know. Uh, Ice Cube is an example that comes to mind who said horrifically anti-Semitic things, promoted anti-Semitic memes, has even attacked black. He, I mean, I remember him, he, he attacked, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with an anti-Semitic slur, oddly enough, because last time I checked, Kareem wasn't Jewish. I wish it was, but but he, but he's not. Mm. Um, Nick Cannon. I mean, big 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 names. Who have Sterling Sharp, um, St you know, Stephen Jackson. Anyways, I, I without I don't I don't want to go through the list. So there's a lot of commonality between between them, and um, I hate to say it. But a lot of it comes from the nation of Islam, I got to say. And I think that um, the support of the nation of Islam, particularly its leader, Louis Farrakhan, you see a commonality among all the people who have said these things, who have then spoken about Louis Farrakhan in a very positive light. Mm -hmm. And they've, pup they've parroted much of the words Farrakhan has used, denying the Holocaust, calling Jews roaches, uh, saying Jews are parasites, Jews control all these. These, these are these are oftentimes script from Louis Farrakhan, um, and I think that the other problem is that we've got we've let them get away with it. And I, and I always look, I always like to say, let's look in the mirror or let's put the shoe on the other foot, and 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 see, because I think that's very clarifying. If you, for example, would say if a white person uh, would say those awful things, but instead of just change Jew for black person, that person would rightly be be vilified and will probably never work again. Um and or or certainly not work for a very long time unless un, until penance was made. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times these guys aren't made to, to to face the same yeah there might be a couple oh he's got to apologize or you know say something to the ADL organization by the way I don't particularly care for. Um and yeah they they all went through their penance of just saying hey Sorry if I offended you or, you know, I'm learning more about this, but it's not real. Let's be honest. Um, I hope it was, and I hope some of them have learned, but um, I, I think a lot of it comes from that. You know, it's also interesting. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's this move to make Jews white people. This is something that, that this is not a, it's a, not a new thing, but it's, 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 it's kind of come back to where it was. I remember, um, James Baldwin, the great, great, great black writer, wrote this essay on anti-Semitism. And what he ended up saying was, a, even back then, it was written in the 60s, he talked about the high levels of anti-Semitism in the black community. But what he said was, it's really more as Jewish people as a proxy for white people. And it's really a hatred of white people, but Jewish people just, just tend to, they, they tend to be the grocer at the time in, in Harlem, where they tended to be um, the landlord. And, and they kind of use what as a proxy. And the danger of doing that is this. First of all, it's just, just factually false. Uh, Jews come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. 
uh, in my personal family, I have people who are black, not not brown, black. I have people in my family who are dark brown. I personally am a person of color. My mother comes from Iran. We come of all shapes, sizes, racial ethnicities. So we're clearly not white people necessarily. Some of us are white, but not all of us. Um, but the reason why it's done, I remember I'm going thinking about um, Whoopi Goldberg on The View made this point, and I thought it was really dangerous, where she was talking about the Holocaust and she said, well, it was y'all white people kind of fighting amongst yourselves. Now, it was offensive on a couple of levels. First of all, kind of dismissing the Holocaust, just you all people were fighting against each other. And second of all, the fact that she made all Jews as white people. And the reason why it's done is, it's, you know, you guys familiar with the term intersectionality? Mm-hmm. Do you guys know that term? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's um, I think it's because of of the idea of intersectionality, where if because you have the intersectionality, it's kind of created as a first of all, intersectionality something I have a lot of issues with, primarily because it's about the connection, the connective tissue of victimhood, um, and also based on um, really economic power. So you put white people at the top of that pyramid, um, put black people, let's say, at the bottom of the pyramid. And um, you say, well, if you put Jews as white people, then therefore it's okay if we speak poorly of them because they're really part of the intersectional oppression that we face. Um, so how about I, this? Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I may. Yeah, of course. Now, there's going to be a lot of uh, people who will listen to this and appreciate the insight and appreciate how it feels to be a Jewish man um, experiencing this. Uh, I will affirm again you are my brother, and I appreciate that you came on here, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I did not um, try to ask questions that perhaps our listeners who are trying to learn more would, would ask. And so allow me to play devil's advocate, forgive the expression. So um, for a black person, the experience of interacting with an individual who lacks melanin um, is a unique experience. Um, Sorry, if you lack melanin, that means you're you're white. Right, right. Or or a person who's white passing. This is what I'm. This is what I'm saying. So white or white adjacent, right? Um, uh, this is a person that, if you know nothing else about me, you do know that I'm black. I wear it all over my whole body, right? So my experience is going to be very different. I cannot hide it. My hair grows this way. My skin looks like this. This is who I am. You can tell that I'm black from across the street. A Jewish person, you cannot tell that a person is Jewish from across the street. In other words, Whoopi Goldberg, an example that you mentioned, um, Whoopi Goldberg is a Jewish woman, but you would not know that unless she said it to you or unless you observed her uh, worshiping or partaking in Jewish customs. But you do know full well that she's a black woman. And that visual uh in many instances uh where she lacks power um will elicit an approach to her or a response to her some of which could conceivably be negative and those of us in the know refer to that as racism and so anti-semitism um again my listeners may uh make this connection and i'm asking for clarification from you anti-semitism is something that is not by by from that vantage point, not as um, visual. What's what was that? Visual. It's not as visual, right? In other, in other words, you have to invite someone in 
to know this part about you, and then they can choose to discriminate uh, based on that information, whereas people who have already made up their minds about how they feel about black people can spot black people out of a lineup. Uh, I use that term almost intentionally and deliberately. So your thoughts on a person who might push back and say, well, you know, some of this stuff is based in reality, at least to some degree. Yeah, I mean, look, not not to say that, uh, obviously, a black person and and a Jewish white person look very dissimilar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only like I would look, it is visual when it comes to anti-Semitism to a certain extent. Sure, sure. To the extent that um, Jewish people, not all the time, but there are a lot of Jews. Uh, like on Saturday, I, I wear a yarmulke. I am very visually Jewish. Sure, sure. Ari wore one every if day. You're, if you're, there you go. If you're a Hasidic Jew, you look yeah, yeah. very visually Jewish. Absolutely. Uh, now we can shed that. Obviously, you cannot. Um, but still, there is a visual component to it, right? Yeah. So, for example, when you see uh, Jews being beat up in in Brooklyn, it's oftentimes the Jews are being almost exclusively are the ones who look Jewish and they're Hasidic. They're mm-hmm. wearing the garb because a person who's attacking them visually identified that he wasn't invited to their home and then realized they were Jewish or got into a conversation. We had to do it and were punched. They were attacked and beaten because they were visually Jewish. Mm-hmm. So not, not not that yeah. So it's I agree. There's a difference, but there's also similarity to it. Sure, and I, I believe that you're right. There's a lot more similarities there, and and really this conversation is meant to to do some healing. Um, another thing I want to point out, if I may, is that um, the nation of Islam. Obviously, here we have to deal with all different facets of black life um and everyone who we believe is marginalized we do our best to share this space with them so this includes our asian american and pacific island brothers and sisters our um, lgbtqia plus brothers and sisters and on and on you you realize the list um and so we do our you not have the Sikhs on? Do you not care about the Sikhs? The Sikhs were out there helping us protest <laughs> in 2020 with the turbans and everything. And so those are our brothers and our sisters as well. Um, and when they need us, we will be here for them. But I do want to ask you this. While I, And we just have about a minute or so left um, for you to respond. But I recognize that there is a deep-rooted history between Muslims and Jewish people that exists long before this chapter in American history. And in fact, it, it, I believe the origin might have uh, been in the Middle East somewhere. And perhaps there's still some fighting going on there. I mostly focus on American issues relative to black people. So I wouldn't profess to know much about um, it, Middle East policy. Um, however, do you believe that the connection uh between blacks and Jews is made through the nation of Islam and originates in the Middle East? In other words, no. there's there's some lineage no. there? No? Okay, so explain. Um it just happened. no. I, I don't I don't think that what you're asking is that if if the 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 anti-Semitism coming from the black community originates and stems from the conflict in the Middle East? Uh, yeah, that uh, more or less. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No. I mean, I think there's look, there's 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 overlap, and, and certainly when it comes to Louis Farrakhan, there might be some of that. Although I I don't know to be honest, I don't know if his anti-Semitism is born from his um from is from his Islam or just from his bigotry. I, I don't. The truth is, I don't know the answer to that. Sure, In sure, fact, sure, if I ever had a chance to sit down with him, and I would 
I would love to, to figure that out. I would love to unpack that. Well, listen, um, I tell you what, um, we're, we're going to leave it right here just because okay. we're going to move on. But um, we are going to manifest. <laughs> we're going to we're going to radiate some positivity in your direction. Hopefully you'll get a chance to talk to him, because I believe that that's a conversation that we all could benefit from. And certainly we would love to know how to heal this relationship. But for now, um, it's time to move on to our way black history fact and so today's way black history fact is as always sponsored by the black information network daily podcast and we are going to be talking about a long history american jews and the naacp um this writing comes from rabbi lance j sussman phd the national association for the advancement of colored people or the naacp and American Jews have a long shared history. Um, the anti-Semitic posting by Minister Rodney Muhammad, head of the Philadelphia chapter of the NAACP, has thrown relations between American Jews and African-Americans and the NAACP into disarray. First and unequivocally, Minister Muhammad, uh, well, this is his asking, he needs to resign. Uh, his invoking of anti-Semitic Nazi meme it was inexcusable and betrays the mission and goals of the NAACP. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, in my opinion, the NAACP at the national level needs to secure this resignation and move any doubt as to their organization's philosophy moving forward. Second, the NAACP needs to affirm its historic mandate of fighting all forms of bigotry and discrimination. Again, I agree with that. The mission of the NAACP, in their own words, is to, quote, secure the political, educational, social, economic equality of rights in order to eliminate race-based discrimination and ensure the health and well-being of all persons. Third, the American Jewish NAACP cooperation must continue and maintain its extraordinary legacy of dialogue. And I love that part. All right. Fourth, the Philadelphia Jewish community needs to recognize the size and strength and continuing growth of our local African-American Muslim community, the largest in the United States, and work to build bridges between us them and others. I think it's important to keep the current controversy in historical perspective as there are forces in both communities which want to break down the historic ties between American Jews and African Americans and empower anti-integrationist and anti-acultural and a, a culture how do I say it? a culture a culture a culturationist ideas. I believe that's how I said forgive me. On both sides of the debate. That would be a mistake. That would be a tragedy uh for americans blacks jews and america itself at the same time we need to appreciate there are difference differences and tensions between jews and blacks and the united states and at the same time we can and must work together for the benefit of our country all right here we go the naacp was founded in 1909 in reaction to a terrible race riot the year before in springfield illinois among the original founders of the naacp were henry moskowitz and a Romanian Jew who worked as the executive director of the Broadway League in New York. Moskowitz was joined in support of the NAACP by Rabbi Emil Hirsch, son of Key's rabbi, the late Samuel Hirsch, Julius Rosenwald, father of Key's Lessing Rosenwald, Jacob Schiff, who was the leading Jewish philanthropist of the progressive era and the well-respected Springarn family, um, to this day, the Spring Arn Medal is one of the highest awards given by the NAACP to those who best exemplify its goals and values. The young rabbi, Stephen Wise, a leading voice of American Zionism prior to World War II, supported the NAACP 
and via W.E.B. Dubois, the Niagara Movement, Lillian Ward of Settlement House fame also supported the newly founded NAACP. But perhaps the most fruitful collaboration between the American Jewish community and in particular the reform movement in Judaism and the NAACP took place in the early 1960s. In 1962, the Union for American Hebrew Congregations, UAHC, now the Union for Reform Judaism, uh, URJ, purchased the old Ecuadorian embassy at, 20, at 2027 Massachusetts Avenue in Washington, D.C., Northwest, and launched its religious action center there. In 1964, with reform, NAACP leaders and others huddled around the table, the historic Civil Rights Act was written. The following year, the same coalition produced the Voting Acts Right, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which was gutted by the Supreme Court in 2013. Uh, in other words, the most progressive social and civil legislation in American history was born of NAACP-American Jewish cooperation. It is important to note that the seed money for the RAC was given by a reformed Jew, Kaivi Kaplan, uh, who passed in 1975. Uh, this gift was given in 1955. Kaplan, a Bostonian, joined the NAACP at 1932 at the age of 28, was elected to its national board in 1954, and from 1965 to 1985 served as president of the NAACP. He, was, he marched and was jailed with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on many occasions, including the Edmund Pettus Bridge crossing in Selma, Alabama. Curiously, on the back of his business card, Kaplan always had the words, keep smiling, printed. There's a saying to the effect that things were never as good between blacks and Jews as Jewish liberals would have it, nor were they as bad as black nationalists allege. Tensions between American Jews and American blacks are nothing new. As a child, again, this is uh, Rabbi Lance J. Sussman's words. As a child, I heard endless coded comments about blacks and was aware that Jews were paradoxically part of the white flight movement, just as they were largely pro-civil rights. Later, I learned that Dr. King, Representative, Dr. King Representative John Lewis and other African-American leaders were hard pressed by black nationalists for their integrationist views. But these tensions are secondary to the need for cooperation in pursuit of civil equality in the United States. Hopefully at these difficult times, American Jews and leaders of the NAACP will remember our joint heritage, our larger common purpose, and together with Kyvi Kaplan and others, we'll find a way back to marching and smiling together. And it's signed, uh, Shabbat Shalom, Shalom, Rabbi Lance J. Sussman, PhD. So, um, uh, we're we're almost done, but any thoughts on today's way black history fact uh, from you, Ami? No, I found I I found it fascinating. Um, yeah, I think I think that's uh, this is this is what we're talking about. This is yeah. exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's and then go ahead, please. Yeah, I was gonna say that that the the Jews were were for the reasons I mentioned were involved from 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 the get go um, in the civil rights movement, and 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 to and to their eternal credit. They did yeah. that. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm proud of that fact. That that legacy. Uh, it heartens me every day when I hear you say it with the pride that you did. I feel something. I get a little emotional. I'm not gonna lie to you. Good, good, good. Uh, well, you know, um, and I do want to mention this. Um, and I would I love your thoughts if you have any cue. But um, you know, I'm, I I heard, I heard the comment about the uh, ADL and 
we have a well let's call it a a budding relationship with the anti-defamation league um and so our hope is that you know that there are some repairs that can take place in the jewish community as well as some repairs that take place in the black community amongst ourselves um and uh you know hopefully we'll continue to have conversations like this and move the narrative forward how about that i loved it man let's look your podcast may or may not be the greatest podcast in the country but for sure you guys have the coolest names Hmm. in all the podcasts in all the land we'll take that we'll take that well um on the heels of that we'd like to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of civic cypher once again i'm your host ramses ja he is and i am q ward Uh, thank you guys again for your support like share comment uh, give us a review. Um, we we do this as a labor of love. So your support and your sharing of our content means more than you could ever imagine. Absolutely. Once again, I want to thank our special guest coming all the way across uh, a couple of bridges to have some really interesting and informative conversations with us today. Ami Horowitz, uh, we can't thank you enough. Uh, for everyone else, please do us a favor. Hit the website, civiccypher.com. If you have any topics you want us to cover, if you want to make a donation, you want to follow us on social media. Again, it's all Civic Cypher. You can download this in any previous episode. Um, and until next week, y'all. Peace. Peace. From headquarters behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. With press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander. Here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show. Get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist headlines. Wake up, refuse, and resist. Like this, like this, like this, like this.